All right, guys, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Sunday mornings with you guys are the best. I just want you guys to know that. Um, if you have your Bible or your phone, hey, Johnny, <laughs> just waving. If you have your Bible or your phone, would you open it to 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting in verse 12? And uh, we, have, we have been going through a series called In the Flesh. And this morning is a continuation in that series, and uh, the focus is going to be on joy and celebration, and the title of this message is simply, With All of Your Might. With All of Your Might. And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, so David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. And this morning, where we're going to camp out on is this, this piece where it says, And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And for those who don't maybe know who David is in some of the Old Testament stories, David is known in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. That he's someone who had humble beginnings, was somebody out in the, in the shepherd fields overlooking sheep. And often felt overlooked, and yet he has this journey of going from a shepherd to a warrior and to a king. That he was anointed to be king of Israel. And so we see just a man who has just power and authority in his life as he leads God's people. And so it's one of those things where taking a chapter back, the beginning of chapter 5 is this piece where David is anointed king of Israel. And, and, and a few verses later, there's this moment where David goes to war with the Philistines. And he has victory and claims victory in that. And they are moving the Ark of God, which was sacred, which had the, the tablets of, of the Ten Commandments and, and really resembled so much of, of God's heart and covenant with the people. And it was something not to be touched. It was something that was so sacred and special. And yet there's this moment right before the verses leading up to this where they are moving the Ark of God. And, and, and they're a little careless with how they are moving the Ark. And so one of the oxen kind of stumble and, and it starts to actually fall. And so there's this man who reaches out and, and as he touches it, he's struck dead. And so there's this moment when David is frustrated and, and really wrestling with that before the Lord. The ark stays for, there for three months and that's where the Lord is like, now move this and I've blessed you. And so we see in this moment of the story, David is dancing before the Lord with all of his might in celebration for what God has done. And I think that there's something, the question that I want to ask us is, do we celebrate just as hard as we fight? It it sounds kind of funny to say it like that, but really the heart behind it is I think oftentimes we're in this journey when we walk with Jesus. There's this journey where, where we are anointed, we are called, where we understand what we feel like God has placed in our heart. What is our purpose in the flesh? How do we reach and love and serve and care for people? What, what am I meant to do? And we talk about how sometimes following Jesus is not always easy, (laughs) And yet there's this piece where we fight. There's this piece where we endure. And yet there's this point where 
we finish well. We finish the season. And I think this is the part where, to be honest, I think it's one of the most crucial steps in the journey. But I also think it's one of the most overlooked steps in the journey. And it's the moment of stopping and celebrating what Jesus has done. Like actually taking a moment to dance and to rest and just to simply be in his goodness and in his presence. And I think, I'm going to talk more about it, but I think when we rush that last step, I do not think that it is good for our soul. And I think Jesus has desperately intended for us to celebrate every step and every season of life. So for those taking notes, the first point this morning is simply a satisfied soul. A satisfied soul. I want to compare and contrast two men. And the first one is David, who we talked about. The second one, though, is Alexander the Great. Does anyone know or has heard of Alexander the Great? Probably in a history class. Not a lot of hands up. Do we have any history fans? Okay, cool, cool. I loved history. And so... We have Alexander the Great, who was king of Macedonia and led this large rampage and was one of the most successful military commanders of all time. In his 30s, he had conquered so much of the known world and and was undefeated in battle. And yet there's this kind of iconic moment that we always kind of hear about when it comes to the history. But it's this moment of Alexander the Great being so successful, being so conquerous, and yet at the end of his life, like simply weeping. And, and, and historians kind of go back and forth as to the explanation why. There's kind of two, two quotes that almost get thrown around. But one of them is that Alexander the Great simply wept because he had no more world left to conquer. And it was one of those things that he had gone through success, through fame, through fortune, through all of these things, and yet at the end of it, there was just enough was not enough. The second kind of debated thing is actually that he had a, he had a different theory or a different belief, but that he believed that there was an infinite number of worlds out there. And for Alexander the Great, he was so discouraged because he thought, if there's so many worlds out there, I can't even conquer one of them. And yet, regardless of which one it is, the point in the heart, I think, is still the same. That we look at someone who, by the world standards, was about as successful as they could come. He was undefeated in battle, had more fame, more fortune, goes down as one of just the greats, and yet wept because enough just simply wasn't enough. And this is the reason why. The temporary things were never designed to satisfy our eternal soul. The temporary things... We're never designed to satisfy our soul. And yet culture and society kind of has this message, this mantra of just enough is not enough. So the grass is always greener. Comparison will kill your contentment. It will rob you of your joy. And yet oftentimes, because of the busyness of life, it's on to the next thing after thing after thing after thing. And with that, without stopping and celebrating, we just get burnt out. We just get exhausted. We get tired. We get discouraged because there's always something else to do. And yet we don't feel like we have enough of the energy to continue onward. And yet the heart of it is simply understanding that if our eternal soul needs to be fed, the source has to be eternal. And there is something truly about the joy of the Lord is your strength. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I just want to ask the question, are we like David, dancing for the victory we have? Or are we like Alexander the Great, weeping because we long for more? That both had success 
both had great victory, and yet the approach and the heart were so different. I also just want to take a moment, and, and you, a lot of you guys actually had homecoming, right? No? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So I want you guys, just when, when it comes to this thing of dancing, okay, I want you, you know, because it says David danced with all of his might. So you can picture just this, this king just, in a way, like just going hard on the dance floor, if you will. Picture that one person in your life that's like, man, they should not be dancing. It might be a parent. <laughs> it might be a sibling. It could be me. Like, I really, I'm not, I'm not a great dancer. And yet, this is the point that I have, though. This is the same man that killed Goliath with a slingshot. This is the same man that fought off bears and fought off lions. The authority and the power this man had was unlike anything else. And yet he still took a heart and a posture where he had no shame dancing before his Jesus. And I think there's something about often even the idea of dancing with all of your might. It sounds kind of ridiculous a little bit, but really having a heart humbling ourselves to really dancing and having a posture of celebrating in his goodness. That with David, he fought with everything, but he celebrated and danced with everything. That it was an even split. And I think the danger in our lives is when it's not an even split. When it's like, all I do is work, all I do is chase, all I do is long for. But then like celebrating in God's goodness, I just don't do enough of. That's when you find, that's when you find yourself exhausted. That's when you find yourself struggling with perspective and contentment. And so the second point this morning is just to rest in the moment. Rest in the moment. Do we have any college football fans out there? Like three of you? <laughs> okay. So Nick Saban is uh, one of the most successful college football coaches of all time. He's won national championship after national championship. So many wins. And, and I remember watching. <laughs> Daniel was just struggling in the front. Do you, are you not a Nick Saban fan? No? Okay. Well, that's all right. <laughs> and there's this moment, though, where there's this big game where, where Nick Saban wins the national championship, and it was a very close game. It was a very intense, very emotional game. And I remember him being interviewed, and it was kind of this, like, well, what are you going to do next, you know? And uh, I was kind of hoping for the, I'm going to Disneyland, or I'm going to take my family on a much-needed vacation, you know, just something to just savor the moment. And yet, like, I won't forget like what he said, he basically said, I'm going to give myself about 48 hours, and then I'm already behind in recruitment. And I remember this moment, to be honest, that like my soul just got a little sad. Like I understand the drive and the worth ethic, but there's something about like you've worked everything for this moment, and yet you won't even savor it. Like you won't even enjoy it. Like you won't even bask in it. Like, you, like it's just one thing to the next and to the next. And when that happens, we live a lifestyle in which enough is never enough. And I think when we live that way, what we find is we lose perspective and we become drained and we become exhausted. And really understanding that when we have the joy of the Lord being in our strength, like it's this piece of resting in his goodness and understanding better perspective. My dad always said, finish line celebrations. And I love it so much. It was this piece of understanding that in, in some ways our life is one big race, one big journey. But at the same time, there's so many moments in our life where it's a season at a time. It's a season at a time. It's a moment at a time. And if we don't stop and slow down and celebrate and remember what God had done in that, we find that when we go to the next one and we're, we're hurting or we're exhausted, we need to look back and remember God was faithful then because God is going to be faithful now. 
But if, but if we don't stop and celebrate, oftentimes it's easy to lose that perspective. That in Luke 10, we see a story of, of two women, Mary and Martha, at, the, at Jesus in, in this home. And, and there was this moment where, to be honest, I think Mary, get, or sorry, Martha, I think Martha gets a little bit of a bad rap. This is kind of the one uh, story I feel like she's most known for. And really, her heart was wanting to serve Jesus. That was her heart. Her heart was, I think, in... I think she had good intention, but we see this moment where she's simply overwhelmed. <laughs> she's trying to cook and clean and do all these practical things, and, and she just looks at Jesus like frustrated and says like, can't you get Ma- Mary to come help me? First off, just don't bark orders at Jesus, because that's, that's not a path that goes down. <laughs> but there's this moment where Martha's just simply sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking up every word that he has to offer. And Jesus' response is so powerful, but he just says, Mary has chosen what matters, and that will not be taken away from her. And I think it's one of those things where I think society and culture will tell you to have this Martha mentality, one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. How well can I perform? But when you live a lifestyle like that, your performance becomes your identity, and that is not the way that it's meant to be. And I think Jesus is saying, please, please, please have a Mary heart and approach of just resting that do we spend more time doing things for the lord or simply being with the lord do we spend more time just doing things for the lord being with the lord and the truth is we we need both we have i mean like we want to be doing things for jesus and loving and serving and caring and that's so much about the series of in the flesh is like how can we be that for people asked by jesus but really knowing the importance of slowing down and I would just say this, I know that life is crazy. Like, like, I get that we have so many things going on. Like, I truly, like, I understand the struggle. But I would also just lovingly say, you make time for what matters most. Like, we have a way of, like, we prioritize the things that matter. And so I would just lovingly encourage us, like, sitting and resting and slowing down. Maybe contrary to what, like, our lifestyle is like or what society tells us is valuable but really understanding, like, that's actually the thing that's going to feed and satisfy our soul more than anything else. And the last point, number three, is the genuinely treasured. The genuinely treasured. I know that it's October, but I'm going to ask the question, is, is it too soon to talk about Christmas? No. no? Okay, I love that. It's kind of the same response for junior high. Is there anyone here that's like, it's like July and I'm going to be watching Christmas movies because, like, Yes, Buddy the Elf is all t- year round. Okay, I love, I love it. I love these people. Um, the reason why I say that is, A, I'm just always excited about Christmas. But B, there's so many amazing parts of the Christmas story. There's so many moments where you look at the life of Mary, who was given a great task from God. And yet, the cool part is, like, as she's faithful to respond to that, Jesus is, or God is faithful to take care of her, with giving her Jesus. And so we see, though, in the story, so many amazing parts from, from the shepherds and the angels singing to the wise men to just so many pivotal moments of the Christmas story that make Christmas so special. And yet, out of everything in that, my favorite part of the Christmas story, my favorite part is Luke 2.19, which says, But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary, that one more time in Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And I just get this picture of just a young woman who endured so much and yet got to see the faithful hand of God take care of her. And she's just savoring everything. She's soaking up every moment of it, collecting it in her heart to remember and to have that posture. And I would just say, we desperately need moments like that with Jesus. Like we desperately need moments where we look and we see the favor of God and we see the blessing of God and we savor those moments because they refresh our soul and they give us better perspective moving forward. That again, the joy of the Lord is really what's going to help satisfy your soul, that his love, his grace, that we have an eternal soul that needs an eternal source of life and that life is Jesus, that that's it. And so going back to David just one more time, There's this moment where he brings up the ark of God, where he sacrifices the animal. And I would just say this. He creates a safe and a sacred place to dance before Jesus. That there's something about this place that is sacred and is special. And I just want to encourage us to either, like, ask the question of, like, like, where, where am I creating spaces like that for Jesus to speak? That whether it's something as, as simple as I'm going to have worship music on in my room right now as I do stuff, or I'm going I'm to press into prayer, I'm going to, these little pockets that become a safe haven to just sit and to distraction-free reflect on the goodness of Jesus. And I think we need those in our lives. That for me, something as simple but was really encouraging and challenging, that somebody encouraged me to take just a little journal um, and each day write down three things that I'm thankful for. And sometimes it's something really, you know, maybe deep and thankful for Jesus' grace and his love and his provision. And sometimes it's as simple as, I'm really thankful that I had a bed to sleep on last night. Like, I'm really thankful that I'm not going hungry today. And I think it's one of those things where when we continually have a heart and a posture that is thankful, that's what counteracts. That's the opposite of this comparison-killing contentment, a thankful and a gratitude heart is what leaves us joyful. It's what leaves us filled. It's what gives us so much of a better heart and a better perspective. And so really understanding that we need those finish line celebrations, those moments with Jesus where we just, we sit in his goodness, we have a thankful heart, and we remember the goodness that he had in our lives because those are the things and the moments that really propel us onward. So at this moment, if Jeff wants to come up and Lane and, uh, and the worship team, we're going we're to close with a response time. Thank you, Daniel. Can we give it for Daniel? I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and put away your Bibles, put away your phones. You can put them under your chair. We're going to respond together to the word um, that Daniel brought, but what God brought this morning. I'm just going to ask um, that you take this moment between you and the Lord. And, you know, when we talk about celebration and we talk about joy, that um, it's not just something that we share amongst one another, but it's something that you share with God personally, that you get to have joy with God because God enjoys actually being with you. You know that, that he, he wants to be with you and he wants to bring you joy in places maybe that you aren't finding around you in the world around you. And one of the things about David's story is that in the midst of so many difficult things, even his own mistakes in his own life, that he was able to find a place to rejoice with the Lord because having fun with God, having joy with God, isn't because there was nothing going wrong. It's because God is so big that it can rise above those things that are going wrong around us. Jesus would even speak about that as well. And during the Last Supper, when he was with his 12 
disciples, and he's talking to them about him going to the cross and being crucified, which, can I get an amen, that if you want to think about bad times, maybe God dying might be a pretty tough thing to go through, amen? And when you look at the world around you, and the way that things might seem to be falling apart, that there were similar times to when Jesus was around. And he speaks to that. He says, you guys are going to grieve at some of the things that you're going to see around you in this world. And then he refers to his resurrection. He says, but you'll see me again. And what he specifically says, he says, so it's with you. He says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one, can everyone say no one? No one will take away your joy. You know that, that God gives you a joy that can't be taken away in your life, that you get to carry around something that no person in this world can forcibly take from you? Now, can we give it away? Yes, we can. And that's, maybe that's where you find yourself this morning because you know that if someone hurts you and you choose not to forgive them, you say, I'm, I'm mad at them and I'm going to stay mad at them. I'm going to live in unforgiveness. That's handing your joy over to them. Maybe you're in a difficult circumstance at home right now, or maybe you've just made some mistakes, and instead of holding on to hope and holding on to Jesus through it, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to give in to despair. I'm going to blame God for what's going on. That's handing your joy over. But you know with Jesus, we can take it back. And it's a matter of saying, you know, God, I'm tired of handing over my joy to people around me. I'm tired of handing over my joy to my circumstances. I'm tired of just handing it over to every time I go to school or every time I go home. And that now is the time for you to recognize no one's allowed to take that from me. And so I'm going to take it and I'm going to hold on to it. So I'm going to ask that we close our eyes together. I just want you to take a moment before the Lord. I want you to think for a minute. We're going to respond in a couple ways. But I want you to think for a minute. Where are the places that are just hurting and lacking joy right now? Maybe even just think for a minute, what makes you unhappy? What's hurting right now? What are the places that you want to see joy happen in your life? Maybe just feel that. Think about that for a minute. Just with eyes closed still, I want you to take this moment between you and God and that, you know, oftentimes, I know in my own life, I like to tell people about my problems, amen? You know, like I tell them what's going on, and probably the best question that you can get from someone is, did you bring it to Jesus first? Because you can't bring it to anyone else until you bring it to him first, because he's the only one that can help you and bring joy and peace in those circumstances. So I want you to do something right now. I want you to just thinking about those things in those places. I want you to 
want you to interact with Jesus right now. Tell him one-on-one, right where you're at, eyes closed, just what are those things? Maybe just listen to him. Maybe even acknowledge the things you know you should do. If you need to forgive someone right now, you need to surrender trust. You need to trust him and what he's doing, even though you can't see how he's working around you. Bring that to him right now.